Hey everyone, Gil Gross here. Post-match, Matteo Berrettini versus Carlos Alcaraz, Australian Open 2022, round three. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in three, two, one. Another highly anticipated match at this year's tournament delivers from an entertainment perspective. Going five sets, going to a tie break, which is 10 points now at the Australian Open. And Matteo Berrettini prevails, moving on to round four and becoming the favorite to come out of that top quarter and make the semifinals. Matteo is up two sets to love here, and Carlos comes back to force a fifth, and then the fifth was oh so tight. Let's get into it. I think you got to start with this. You got to start with the experience gap really making a difference early on in this match. Anyone who watched it, I think, could have seen that. What happens to young players? They take the court in these big matches, and I know that Alcaraz has had some of these experiences before, especially or exclusively at the U.S. Open when he faced Stefano Tsitsipas on Arthur Ashe. He uh, had to withdraw, but you know he, he took the court for a big quarterfinal um, against against Felix at the U.S. Open. He's he's done these things, and he has experienced these stadiums. But I think expectation on him to actually potentially win this match. And I think he was way too fired up, adrenaline pumping, just swinging out of his shoes, way too excited for the occasion. And it did not, it did not result in the best version of Carlos Alcaraz. Berrettini, he's experienced now. He's going to take the court and be himself and play something close to his best. And he's not going to be overwhelmed by this kind of occasion whatsoever. So Carlos comes out of the gates, unbelievable amount of aggression and explosiveness and energy and every ball's being hit as hard as he, as hard as it can possibly be hit. And actually Alcaraz plays some spectacular points in the beginning and Berrettini's calm and saves a couple of break points, but Quickly, that overzealous aggression turns into unforced errors for Alcaraz. And he was overhitting. And when you watch tennis long enough and your eye is trained enough, you can start to see the difference between an unforced error that's created by sloppy footwork or poor timing and an unforced error that's created by just trying to make the shot way too good. And in Alcaraz's case, it was just clear visually he was trying to make every shot way too good. It was just overhitting 101. And that comes down to mostly youth and inexperience. Now, I will give Berrettini some credit in in this spot, which is the forehand. And when you're facing a weapon like the Berrettini forehand, the middle of the court, those safe targets, they start to look really, really scary. And oftentimes, especially for a, a more inexperienced player, but I think for everyone, overhitting is one of the side effects to playing a weapon like the Berrettini forehand because you're very desperate to keep the ball out of the middle if you're afraid of that weapon. 
But ultimately, Alcaraz way too eager to dictate, way too many unforced errors, especially on the forehand, most of them long. And for about two and a half sets, he was not playing nearly well enough to touch Matteo Berrettini. I think the progression of this match is Alcaraz settled down from the baseline at a certain point, but he was already down a set and a break. But I thought late in the second set, he settled down from the baseline, but when you're playing Berrettini and you're already down a break, even if you some parts of your game click, you still might be in trouble. You're going to need Berrettini to miss some first serves, and you're going to have to make some really good returns. Otherwise, you're not going to break his serve. And Berrettini did not miss first serves. He was hitting his spots. Alcaraz was not making the returns. So that was that, and Alcaraz found himself down two sets to love. At the very end of the third set, and you could feel this coming on, Alcaraz just coming on to returns, the baseline game was just settled down. Sometimes it just takes some time to work the rally before you're able to build an advantage through that Berrettini backhand. So he settled down from the baseline, then the return clicked, and then he broke the Berrettini serve to win the third set. Then Berrettini played by far his worst tennis in the fourth set. Made a lot of mistakes. It was probably the only set where he made a lot of reckless mistakes. And Alcaraz made some unbelievable, breathtaking, aggressive returns. Literally flipping points in his favor off of his first serve return. And hold that thought because we're going to come back to that. Alcaraz's return strategy, I think a very interesting conversation. So the fourth set, most dominant for Alcaraz by far. Then in the fifth, no longer was Berrettini making those mistakes on his service games. Alcaraz was uh, was taking care of, of his own business really well, also on the serve, and it goes to the super tiebreak. So let's cut to the chase here, because when it's all said and done, the points in this match were tied, dead even, at the end of the match. Um, it came down to a couple of points. And one of the things that is so incredible about Berrettini, in my opinion, is not just the weapon that he has in his serve, not just the weapon he has in his forehand, but how clutch he is. I think one of the most clutch players in the world, undoubtedly. So when you get to this tiebreak stage and you have these players in Alcaraz and Berrettini, two of the biggest forehands in the world, unbelievable firepower, tremendous off offensive rep uh, repertoire, it's going to come down to who is going to make some mistakes. Alcaraz made the mistakes in the super tiebreak. There's just no way around it, and I'll take you through them. And by the way, Berrettini, he didn't really make any which is incredible because I'm looking at 14 points here and I charted every single one. And I can't really tell you Berrettini made any egregious mistake in this tiebreak, which he ultimately won 10 points to five. Alcaraz went up an early mini break. One love. On that one love point, Carlos missed the first ball, a backhand down the line, which sailed long for an unforced error. Skip ahead to 4-all. 
Both players took care of their serve. No mini breaks until uh, for all. Um, and actually, there still isn't going to be a mini break here. But Alcaraz has a chance for a second serve. So at this point, I kind of perk up. Here's an opportunity for Alcaraz. And Berrettini hits the second serve forehand body. And Alcaraz tries to redirect the second serve return down the line. He plays this ball close to the line and misses wide. Oh, do not miss wide on a second serve return. That is a no-no. That is a big mistake. You know, you just you're just trying to get it to the backhand side of Berrettini, but you don't need to paint the sideline here. And that was a an ugly looking miss trying to redirect that ball and time that forehand to perfectly down the line off of that second serve return. So that was a mistake at four all. Then at four five. This wasn't egregious, but they get into another rally. And this time, Carlos is serving. And he hits a backhand down the line that bleeds into the middle of the court. And Berrettini counters with a really great, strong forehand cross court. And Alcaraz shanks the running forehand trying to neutralize from a defensive position. So why was this a mistake? It's because they were in a neutral rally here. And... Alcaraz was beaten with Berrettini's forehand. So I think that that was a that goes down as a mistake because if you're in a rally, you definitely don't want to lose like that with a Berrettini forehand cross court. Make him beat you really any other way, just not like that. Again, he he changes direction with the backhand down the line and opens himself up on Berrettini's best shot. You either you got to make sure if you're not going to go back cross court and extend that rally, and to you know just trade to the through the backhand and wait for your opportunity. If you're not going to go back cross court, you better be good when you go down the line. And it just wasn't good, so that was a mistake. Then at six five, another opportunity for a second serve for Berrettini. Berrettini hits the second serve. They get into a neutral rally. And Alcaraz is grooving balls into the Berrettini backhand. He's doing what you should do. Stay patient. Wait for your opportunity. Berrettini can't do anything when the ball's on his backhand offensively. So just keep the ball there and wait for your chance. He gets his chance, sort of. Alcaraz runs around the backhand side, shanks the forehand. He had the shot. He had the look. And he missed it. Okay, so that made it 7-5. 7-5 is an example. Berrettini, perfect. Serve plus one into the open court. Just beautiful. Awesome execution. Nothing you can do. Boom. 8-5. Um, Forehand unforced error by Alcaraz. Double fault by Alcaraz. There it is. So at this point, Berrettini was already sort of in charge of the tie break. But Alcaraz definitely went away towards the end there. Didn't apply the pressure. So if you just look at that sample size uh, I think that that tells the story of what happened at the end there with the match on the line when the best players in the world play Berrettini they're they are the players who make less mistakes and are are more reliable and make less unforced errors generally speaking and and Alcaraz right now Berrettini is actually the more consistent player which uh, again like Berrettini and consistency it's not really what you think about but compared to Alcaraz who also plays a very high-octane offensive style. Berrettini is more consistent right now. And I do think Alcaraz, as he develops, I think that he's going to get better at 
letting his opponent miss more often, trusting his legs. I want to talk about Alcaraz's return. That's why I picked him to win this match. I said, I think he's that elite returner. Berrettini doesn't beat elite returners, generally speaking. He beats everybody else, but not elite returners. So let's talk about that Alcaraz return. It was really good. It was. It just wasn't Novak, wasn't Zverev, it wasn't Medvedev. He got about 54% of Berrettini first serves back in play. That's pretty good. It's not bad. I think I think Zverev, Medvedev, Djokovic, I think they'd get about 60%. But Alcaraz was pretty close. The, the way Alcaraz returns is interesting. He, uh, he takes it early and drives it hard. That's what he does. And that's kind of all he does. It's a very ambitious return. So when he made his returns, end of the third set when he broke serve, all throughout the fourth set, he made some spectacular returns. But what can get him just a little bit better? Maybe if he could just tone it back a little bit, I think he could make more in play. So I just don't think he's... I think he's on track to be one of those guys. I think he's going to be just as good a returner as we'll see in the sport, um, in my opinion. Right now, it just it seems like his return for a server like Berrettini, who I think requires some respect. I think you got to give Berrettini that respect. Your serve is great. I'm not going to be able to hit great returns all the time. Sometimes I'm just going to need to settle for getting it in and trying to use my speed and use my legs to neutralize. But I didn't feel like Alcaraz did that. But speaking of his speed, I was struck by how few points Alcaraz was able to steal with his court coverage and with his defense. Carlos is great in that area. But I just, I thought that Berrettini's execution was so good, so solid, that Berrettini took away, um, or, or Alcaraz took away a lot of winners, but didn't take away a lot of points. And that was really key for Berrettini's short point dominance um, to kind of play out. Dominance is, by the way, too strong a word. Superiority. There was no dominance in this match. But if you look at where Berrettini built the edge, it was on the short rallies, uh, unsurprisingly. Um, I was, you know, that's credit to Berrettini. That's a great job by him. But Alcaraz's scrambling and his defense just didn't really come into play much. Berrettini was able to finish. Um, and Alcaraz's extra balls were not turning into Berrettini errors. I'll just say that. You know, I'm not convinced Berrettini finishes his career with a winning head-to-head -head against Carlos at all. At the end of the day, Alcaraz was not himself for two sets because he didn't handle the occasion as well as Mateo. And then once Carlos settled in, he was probably slightly the better player. Berrettini, more clutch in that 10-point tie break. He's such a clutch player. And that's the match. Mateo wins. But Mateo's clutchness needs to start getting appreciated. It is sublime. And Carlos acquitted himself so well. A reminder that he is, or he was, the youngest Grand Slam seed at, an, at a major since Michael Chang at the 1991 U.S. Open. Pretty good showing from this guy. I hope we see this again soon. It was fun. Berrettini, Pablo Carreno Busta in the fourth round. Five-set win.
for Mateo over Alcaraz. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.